Hey, it's Andrew here. Just like last week, want to do one final great episode from 2019 to kind of cap off the year here. And this is one with Kevin Stecco, longtime ECF community member. He's actually one of our moderators, incredible dude and a good friend. And had one of the best reviewed episodes I heard this year about how he shrunk his business to make it stronger, really went from being having a full-on warehouse down to kicking everything out of uh, out of house uh, and using a 3PL and, and the massive change it brought to his business and his life. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. I hope you had a great, great holiday and Christmas and I hope you have a wonderful new year coming up. Uh, I got some exciting stuff planned for 2020 and looking forward to chatting with you about those next week. All right, enjoy. Welcome to the E-Commerce Fuel Podcast, a show dedicated to helping seven-figure plus owners build incredible businesses and amazing lives. I'm Andrew Darian, and earlier this year, I was in New Orleans wrapping up ECF Live when a bunch of us headed out to a spontaneous Pelicans game and was sitting next to a good friend, great community member, Kevin Stecco from 80s Tees. Dot com and we're sitting there watching the game and Kevin is is eating this delicious delicious tray of NBA nachos that I asked for a couple and he you know flat out denied me he's a man who loves his nachos and I was too cheap to get some but I still give him a lot of crap about that and we started talking about just his business and what's been going on in his life. And the year before, he'd actually keynoted at ECF Live about some of the mistakes he'd made by you know, getting too big, getting too big of a warehouse, too much inventory. And he was in the process of winding that down and trying to really improve his business for some tough, some times that were a little challenging by making it smaller and leaner and taking a very different approach. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about how do you, you know, specifically how he, you know, he did that. And we talk about it, it covers a lot of different facets from pricing. He's become a, a, I would call it, I would say zealous. Zealot is not too strong of a word. A zealot for premium pricing in the e-commerce world. And I would agree. I have seen a ton of success from premium pricing. We talk about that. We talk about running a lean ship, how, you know, the dangers of too much inventory problems of, of, of running a warehouse. Anyway, all this to say, he's gone through the evolution of going from an incredibly huge warehouse with a ton of inventory to scaling way, way back pricing his products at a premium, getting rid of his warehouse and uh, getting rid of his inventory. And it's been an incredible journey. And actually, he just posted a thread in the forums this last week or two after we recorded this episode that kind of talks about the, the culmination and the completion of that journey. He wasn't quite there when we recorded this, almost, but not quite there. So I'll link up to that in the show notes for, for any community members who want to read it. But anyway, just a fascinating discussion. Great guy. We had a lot of fun. And I think there's a lot of really important lessons that that we can all take away that either to help our business or, you know, if it's already doing well to make it even stronger. So I hope you enjoy. First though, before we jump into all the details, I want to give a big, big thank you to our two sponsors who make the show possible. First, to the team over at Clavio, who is throwing a bit of a party in Boston. It is not too late to, to sign up for their September 25th and 26th conference, Clavio Boss, over 50 sessions on everything, of course, email marketing and segmentation and, you know, advanced Clavio use, but all, you know, on all sorts of digital marketing and owned marketing topics. So I'll be there. I think we're doing ECF members meet up there. I'll be doing some live podcasting and should be a lot of fun. So if you want to learn more about that, ecommercefuel.com forward slash Boston dash event, and you can score $300 off by using coupon code ecommercefuel300, capitalize the first E and the number 300 at the end for $300 off the ticket price. 
And if you want to get started with Clavio, test drive and see what the fuss is all about. Check them out at clavio.com forward slash ECF for e-commerce fuel. And secondly, big thank you to the team over at Liquid Web who has created the world's best place to host your WooCommerce store. If you're on Shopify, you get all the perks of not having to worry about the tech headache. You log in and things just work, but you can't customize anything. If you're on WooCommerce, you have all the power of being able to customize everything and all of the headache of having to manage everything that you customize, plus all the security and server admin and everything. And and when you host WooCommerce with Liquid Web, you get the absolute best of both of those worlds, the customization of open source, but someone watching out over you for upgrades and for system architecture, for for scalability, uh, for all of those things. You even get a little sandbox where you can run different situations and scenarios on your store to see what's going to happen if you have a, you know, 40 people show up and try to check out at once for a big sale that you're doing. It's a cool platform. It definitely is going to supercharge, not only make your store faster, but it's going to give you a lot of peace of mind and time back. So if you're on WooCommerce, check them out and learn more at ecommercefuel.com forward slash Liquid Web. All right, let's jump into my discussion with Kevin Stecco on his very interesting and increasingly profitable last couple of years. Kevin, so I've got the outline. I know you saw it. I sent it over to you. I'm just going to toss it aside for a moment. And I want to ask you, like, what, what started this whole, this massive change in in your life? I feel like over the last couple of years, there's two, maybe three themes that uh, have emerged. One, you've started playing with pricing and you've kind of become, I don't, maybe this is wrong, but the unofficial advocate in the form of just raise prices, raise prices, like just that well, you can, can do no wrong by raising prices. So you obviously ha- had some success with that. Scaling down your operations on the warehouse side, like really getting to the point where eliminating that or being very close to or in the near future, having that totally eliminated and, and moving actually towards drop shipping. And then also having a much more of a work-life balance. Like you've had a really, a, a very dramatic transformation in your life and business the last, you know, the last, let's say 18 months, this two years. What, like what, we'll get into all those individually, but what, is there any driving force? Like what was the beginning of this? Uh, did you have some kind of, you know, eureka moment or something that, that spawned all this? Well, uh, I mean, the driving force was I was struggling with the business. Over time, I had committed myself to to many, you know, highly expensive and non-changeable transactions. So I had the a big warehouse that I committed to, um, and it was actually bigger than I ever needed. But I, at, when I bought it, the pace we were growing, I I figured we would need it. You know, I had some expensive software on a month-to-month basis that had become become ingrained in the way we operated. That you know, just the the cost of it was was just out of out of range for what we were doing. And and essentially, our the business was not was not the way it used to be. We had lots of challenges in terms of Amazon, obviously, and I guess maybe some history. I've been around since 2000. We've I bought the building in 2008 whenever things were going up, up, up. And then in 2013, we got hacked and I needed to make a quick change to the way we operated. So that's whenever I, I signed up for this order management system that at the time seemed like a bargain compared to what it had, what these things had been costing me. It it became you know way too high. I was paying $5,300 a month for software that just didn't make sense for the scale business we were we were at now. Um, so yeah, the you know Amazon, the onslaught of competition there. Uh, t-shirts are a really easy thing to market online. You have you know you have your legitimate sellers that that you know those are obviously like a 
some competition we've always had. But then you you have these print-on-demand companies that allow people to essentially exact copy what you're doing and not not doing it legitimately, as well as uh, lots of gray market stuff where they you know it's a Star Wars shirt. Everyone knows it's a Star Wars shirt, but uh, it's not any anything official. So we just had all these all these headwinds going against us that the revenue wasn't what it used to be, and my expenses were just hard to get out from underneath. And and I, I remember specifically, it was actually 2016. I would take these long walks at work in the summer because I was so stressed, and I would just just walk around trying to think what what I would do. And then I did have the eureka moment where I was just like, it all became so clear to me in in that. You know, the only the only solution was to shrink. Whereas I had forever been trying to figure out how to grow back to where I was, so that these expenses made sense. And then once I sort of had that freedom, where I said, "Okay, I have to shrink," then it was it was just a matter of how do I do that. And luckily for me, a few of my vendors were offering print on demand drop shipping of their of their goods. That was the to me, that was like the the way to go because I could no I could no longer have to have the warehouse if I could transition to that fully dropship model. Then, as as well, that would make my software needs a lot a lot less complex eventually. And in addition, I'd have a lot less employees doing receiving and and warehouse operations. So, 2016 being like two ish, three ish years for this whole process. How much have you shrunk from top line revenue, or or have you shrunk? What's the revenue change been over that period? Yeah, actually, since then we've we've started to grow. 2016, I think we're a little bit higher than we were now. Those were a lot of unprofitable sales and I, we can talk about the price increase in the future, but uh, I had amassed a ton of inventory. So I was doing frequent, frequent clearances, frequent, crazy specials. Like I literally had bought uh, at one, at one point I had committed to buying like 2000 of, of a bunch of designs so that I could get my cost of $5 each. And I, and, and I thought that was the way I was going to compete. So I just had a ton of inventory and I mean, I would do like buy two, get seven free specials. I mean, just like nutso stuff that it, it was all just to get, try to get some of that money back. So it, when you compare like my revenue, it's almost like, it's almost irrelevant to compare revenue because the quality of my revenue was was garbage back then. Whereas right now my revenue is really, really uh, high quality in terms of the, the margins that we're getting. But we actually are growing now. And, and the main reason we're growing is because I've got such a wide selection due to the drop shipping. Whereas before, whenever I had to stock products, I had had an upper limit on on how much we could sell, and I was trying to pick what would be winners. And now I can just pretty much list everything we can get our hands on that that we can get listed on a website. So so we're back to growth. When you think about so revenue stayed, let's, let's call it roughly the same, maybe dipped and then it's come back up to close to the same area. Very different in terms of the quality of it. What has what's your profitability done over the last couple of years? That same that same time window. Yeah, so we are uh, on a month to month basis. I am profitable now. Um, I will show a loss this year because I I sold my final two hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of inventory for about twenty thousand dollars <laughs> like a month ago i've i've got that nice nice big the, chunk the of, ultimate uh, the ultimate buy two get seven free sale and yeah scale. exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whenever you're uh negotiating with a guy to get 10 more cents every single item you sell and and it, that actually makes a pretty substantial <laughs> substantial difference you know like that was the situation i was in that you know that's going to cause a pretty significant hit to the profitability and I, I don't think we'll be able to overcome that 
but as well as the fact that I've been in the warehouse still this year and I won't fully be out of those expenses until August of this year. So as well as the fact that the software I mentioned, the $5,300 a month software, I paid through that. I paid for that through April. So all those things are disappearing going forward. And so now, now we are on a month to month basis profitable. Yeah. When you weren't before, maybe we can talk about a little bit of the, like the quality of the revenue to start out. What, you know, you mentioned earlier, it's not like you were trying to really make, you know, make up, uh, make most of your profit on, on scale versus margin, small margin, lots of volume. How are you thinking about that differently now? And how is that like when you think about, I'm guessing you, the drop shipping probably helps because you've, you're able to, you don't have to have the capital stock. You can offer more things, particularly maybe on the, on the pricing front, uh, how you've repriced your items and also the selection front, what you offer, what you promote, like how, how are you been able to get higher quality revenue? What does that look like? How's that thought process work? Yeah. So, well, the, you know, the irony, when I hear a lot of people talking about the problem with drop shipping is they say, well, you don't have good, good margins. And and I guess the reason is they're trying to compete on price. But the way I looked at it was, unlike in the past, whenever I had something sitting on a shelf that's you know potentially going to get damaged or sun faded or just you know it's it's cost me money one way or the other. With dropshipping, this once I list it, these products don't cost me anything, so I don't care if they don't sell. <laughs> and you know, there's no opportunity cost for me to not make a sale. Whereas there's an opportunity cost for me to to say 20% off and pull sales that would have come at full price forward. So because of that, I, I don't do much discounting. We almost do no site-wide discounting. We do a little bit retargeting. So, you know, the theory there is after like a couple of weeks, if someone's added it to the cart and they still haven't bought, that's that sale has no hope of being recovered. So we will offer some discounts at that point via Facebook or email. And and that, so that's that's more of an individual one to one. Just let's try and get this person in the door as a customer, and and making seven dollars is better than zero dollars. But you know the, what's what I think is people don't consider when they do promotions and discounting is that they might make seven dollars on a discounted order, um, and that while it's better than nothing, if they had waited two weeks, they would have got twenty seven dollars for that twenty seven dollars in profit for that order. So that's the way I I think about. Dropshipping with it being so powerful is if you're if you're smart and I shouldn't say smart. There's everyone can do their business however they want. It doesn't make, make them smart or not smart. If you're keep your scale appropriate and small, then you you can really make a, a nice living doing dropshipping with higher margins, even if the competition is all out there selling the same thing for a lot less. So what is it though about like why in my experience with dropshipping, if you can get it right, it's a really great business model like you talked about there's no capital risk you can do it from anywhere you can add products test see what works without having to you know write checks and you don't have a warehouse lots of benefits but the hard part is finding an area to add value where you can differentiate yourself from the seats of other people doing it and so t-shirts with with the stuff you sell how how are you able to do that like you have premium pricing you don't discount if if a star war fans comes to your website and they see your, you know, the T-shirt for this. They do a quick Google search, as a lot of people do, and and you know, see what else is out there. Like, what is it that makes them buy at the higher price from you when they don't have to? Like, how do you how do you do that? Yeah, I think that I've just the guys that do the Google search. I don't get. So if if they are concerned about price and uh, if they're you know if they're and again, smart's not the right word. I keep wanting to say that word. Um, if if they are 
you know, worried about an extra five, ten dollars, fifteen dollars, whatever it is, and they go searching, they will they will find someone else. But so there's two situations where we'll we'll win that business. One is that the customer just doesn't care, and and there are actually a lot of people like that. Like there are people whose time is more important to them, or they're just not even they maybe they don't even know they could find it somewhere else um, and so they they purchase from us and then there are times where maybe someone knows it's cheaper somewhere else but since we're we have a nice curated selection and our you know our navigation can show you you know not just like you maybe you're in the market for a Star Wars shirt and a Goonies shirt and you could go separately and buy those cheaper but you know the just just the hassle of doing that or maybe the shipping costs add up at the other place to where it's close and close enough that it's not worth the hassle. So, you know, I think it's just a convenience. And I mean, we've, we've done a pretty good job, I think, of making it easy to find a lot of products and easy to browse. So uh, that increases the, the odds that, that it, people just end up saying, oh, whatever, I could save $5 and cost me 10 minutes of my time. And, and actually $5 is probably not right. They probably save more than that <laughs> if they took the time. But maybe we're just getting lucky and finding those customers that don't care. In terms of pricing, you know, between when on, in 2016 when you were taking those walks, kind of really stressing out about stuff, to today, did you have a pretty? Do you have a period where you dramatically increased? Like you haven't been discounting, like you said, but did you you actually increase your prices? Did you bump prices like standard level prices up? And did that uh, was that a pretty big part of of helping with the transformation? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's funny because I I totally went when I first started the business, my prices were between 20 and $22. And there wasn't really anyone else to compare it to, but my margins were, were pretty healthy. But the way the you know t-shirt manufacturing and my costs never went up. In fact, a lot of times they went down. So the, the prices never really increased. But even without increasing prices, our, our volume was, was going down because people were going crazy with competition on Amazon to the point where you know I couldn't understand how some of my competitors selling on these marketplaces were were even making any money, and, and, and now I believe they, they actually weren't. But that didn't stop me from saying, well, I guess I've got to do this because we're you know I've got all this expense and we need to compete somehow. So right before I made the big price increase, I had totally gone the opposite direction and been trying to compete on price, and and so it was it was this huge jump whenever I finally raised the price. But the way the way I did it was at first it was only on products that we added that we were drop shipping or only on products that we might've had them in stock, but we were transitioning them to drop shipping as, as some sizes were selling out. So those, so it wasn't an across the board price increase. I built this really cool, I shouldn't say I built it. I had my developer build a really cool tool that I can look at every order and I can see the, I, you know, you call it gross profit or contribution margin, whatever you want to call it, which is basically the, the number that you can pay everything with. You know, some people consider contribution margin after they take into account advertising costs. I don't have an easy way to do that. So when I look at my contribution margin number, it's, it's literally everything that, that could go towards paying for salaries and, and, and advertising. So I, I would look at those orders where I I sold one of my products at the old price, and then I'd see the next order where one of them was at the new price, and it was it was just like this. It was so crystal clear that it wasn't even it didn't even make sense to bother selling these things at the lower price. Like it was it was literally like a waste of time, and and you know the order in terms of in the future I would never I would never sell whenever I was drop shipping and I didn't I wasn't just trying to get cash back. 
I mean, like for instance, I, I can look at that screen. I pretty much have it open all the time where I can see my most recent orders and what the contribution margin was. And I have an extra large shirt that I sold as my most recent order. And my contribution margin is $27 on that. And in the past... How, how it, much was the shirt? How much did the shirt cost? The shirt on that cost ten fifty. And my and you sold it. You sold it for how much? Like thirty thirty five bucks. Yeah, the bucks? customer paid forty eighty nine, and they paid shipping. So five forty seven for shipping plus forty eighty nine. You know, my my cost. I got ten fifty in the uh, in the actual good from the supplier. Uh, they charged me fees for handling the drop shippings of two dollars. Um, so that's like one dollar per item plus one dollar per order is how that company charges. Shopify charges me a fee because I don't use Shopify payments. That's only seven cents. My transaction fees. This isn't an exact because of you know we have like the uh, the pre- the credit card fees are are based on actual costs or whatever. But I just estimated it out to be like two some percent plus like a I think it's seven or seventeen cents per transaction. So the, my transaction fees are a dollar thirty five. So but it, le- it leaves me with twenty seven dollars almost in in total contribution margin. I'll probably actually make a little money on the shipping on this order too. So in the past, and, and my competitors nowadays are actually charging like say twenty dollars for that shirt, maybe twenty two in some cases. So uh, you know, how many orders do they have to make to get to the same point where where I was in terms of their contribution margin? Yeah, almost three times as much. And I I found that doing in my experience doing price increases is is always a little scary. But the smaller your margins, the it's it's unbelievable the magnitude of price increase can have, especially if your margins are small. I mean, you could increase prices if you're at twenty dollars and your cost is at eighteen, and you go from twenty to twenty-two. That's a ten percent increase in your pricing, and it's a doubling of your profit. Right? Like it's an extreme example, but it's it's pretty impressive. It's pretty crazy how dramatically you can move the needle, especially if you're on the lower end of the margin scale. Oh yeah, I mean the you, anything you add to that price outside of the transaction percentage fees. Raw profit. Basically raw profit. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so you did that. So you're looking at a lot of those and seeing those. Did you eventually just do it across the board price increase? And you said, I'm, I'm doing this ad hoc. It's kind of, I see these come in and I'm changing them and I'm, I'm seeing good results. Did you eventually just say, Hey, let's just lift the price on everything across the board? Yeah. Eventually it was, it was just like crystal clear that that was, that was the way we, we should go, <laughs> you know, the, and I think everyone should have those numbers in front of them because, you know, you can do all the, internal math but when you when you look at an order and and like to your point right if if raising your price two dollars raises your profit by you know like like doubles your profit you're seeing some pretty anemic profit numbers um on a per order basis and and if you can say raise your raise that price by ten dollars instead well now you just made it so like you only need to sell one for every five you used to have to sell at at the twenty dollar and it's just having that math in your head at all times makes it really easy to know whenever a customer complains about price that, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not give in. <laughs> yeah. I won't, I won't get your business, but this other guy who does give me his business makes it well worthwhile <laughs> for me to, for me to let you go by. Bye. How much did you see? Cause not always, but almost always you raise prices, you're going to see a slight decrease anywhere from a slight to a, a significant decrease in, in conversion. Did you see a meaningful decrease in conversion when you, when you, when you raised prices? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there was a lot of things. So the conversion rate went down. Ironically, the actual revenue, it wasn't, the decrease was not what you'd expect just because of my per per order value increased so much just due to the price increase. So so yeah, the 
the conversion rate now, even on, on the site is like 1% on a, on a good day. So we still get a ton of people who are like, this just, this place is crazy. I mean, I've got on, on our Facebook comments, on our ads, I've got every permutation <laughs> of, of you guys are insane. Like, are you on crack? You're going to go out of business. Like, like all these things <laughs> in, that, in that filter <laughs> to automatically hide the con- the comments because I mean, it's just, it's every single post that people, you know, rip off scam, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it's, it's to this day. And, and the funny thing is my employees, it really, it really got to them because they would see those comments sometimes before we had the filters. So, so great. Even some of their friends would be like, what is going on? This company you work for is crazy. And I, I found out that even though like I, I did the math for my employees and I showed them, they still like, they still didn't really internalize it. So one day I made, I, what I did was I, I pulled up that tool I was talking about where I can see the contribution margin. And I said, okay, what do you think we should charge based on the competition? And they gave me their number. And I said, okay, you see the cost here and you know, you know now what your, and I explained how the percentages were calculated. And I said, you know what you want to charge. Tell me how many orders at, at your preferred price you'd have to bring in to equal the same contribution margin. And it, and I said, and let's, let's also remember that for every five orders we get, that's five times more chance of having a customer service issue or return or, you know, there's, the, and not just not just the financial metrics, but it's the the, the manual power and, and uh, work required to process up ship at time. You get the time investment. Exactly. Like yeah, the scale. You know, scaling up your volume it scales up your costs. So whenever I whenever I did that, and I said, well, what do you think is a fair increase for like you know how many returns we might be able to expect? We, we might be able to expect. And literally, I think it was like six orders to get to the same end result. When they internalized that, and when they did the math. I never, I never had that same experience where they were just like, you know, this is crazy. Why are you doing this? Yeah, they, they finally understood. Man, and so, so pricing is a lot better, much higher quality revenue, margins gone way up. On the warehouse side, you've really thinned down. So, are you are you moving completely to a to a three PL based? Well, you have some. What's yeah? you drop shipping? Do you do drop shipping and then a combination of three PL? Is it a hybrid right now? And is that how you plan on continuing it? Yeah. So the majority of our orders are definitely drop ship, and we do have some inventory I still own. There was a few items that just weren't available for drop shipping that were pretty important to our sales. So I did find a, a small three PL in the Pittsburgh area, like complete other side of Pittsburgh. I'm on one one side and in, in a suburb, and they're totally on the other. So it's not that convenient but they've been great so far they actually use my software to the point where like i just gave them a laptop a chromebook to do the picking and packing pc to do the shipping on and they just bill me for every order every order it's a two dollars fifty cents an order and they bill me for the uh storage space so yeah like that's that's the extent of my my warehousing costs once i get out of my building which i do have a tenant they're taking 90 percent of the space right now and in august they'll take 100 percent of the space and and then actually once once they're taking 100% at the rate they're paying me for the for the warehouse, it's uh, it ends up being a pretty nice investment on that end too. How are you approaching your team? So you're you know you get the warehouse, you're soon going to be out of everything's going to be 3PL or or dropship, and I'm guessing you know so those office space that you had in the warehouse is gone. Some of your team members are gone, but how are you? I guess two things on two questions on the team front. How how are you dealing with the team? Like is everyone moving to a remote role, and how has morale been? during this process because from from your perspective a leaner business better margins better revenue 
more autonomy on your side. You've been working from home more. And like, that's aw- for an owner, awesome. From a team member on the outside, like the warehouse shuts down, the inventory disappears, you know, the, it's the owner isn't around quite as much. Like that could potentially, you could manage it well. And it could be a, a plus, or it could potentially, you know, if you didn't weren't proactive about it, could be morale could really suffer. So how's that? How are you dealing with your team, and how are they doing? You know, I think there was probably some of what had been my most key employees had seen the writing on the wall, um, and some of them bailed even before before I made some of these drastic changes. You know, I was kind of kind of left with basically the people that. Were, were I guess just reasonably happy enough to work there uh, <laughs> you know the, the not super ambitious ones uh, you know maybe they liked it because they enjoyed their co-workers company or that they didn't want to it was close to their home you know there's just a little bit of a convenience factor and the ones that that were like up go-getters had sort of already left so that wasn't really an issue they left of their own accord and, and got different jobs um, and you know I was happy for them because it it took burden off of me they got landed in a nice spot. Um, and some people had to let go and they just didn't quite understand what they did wrong. And the reality was that they didn't do anything wrong, you know, for their role that I had asked them to do and that they had been hired to do, they, they performed it just fine. That was probably the toughest part is that it's like what, you know, when they ask you that question, what did I do wrong? And it's just like, it's, you know, the, the sand shifted beneath, beneath everyone's feet here. It's, it's not nothing that you did and you know, I only have a few people left, and those people have been the ones that were the most capable of multitasking and taking on something, something new, adding things. Like my my customer service girl, she doesn't even come into the office anymore because I basically said, well, in a year you're not going to be able to work here, so I guess it'd be weird if I said <laughs> you had to work here up until the last day. <laughs> so, uh, she, she, I mean, actually, I think they either didn't have a car or they sold like a junk car that was unreliable. So if I did ask her to come in, she'd be like, well, I got to see if Joel can give me a ride in now. Um, that's so that like her husband would have to give her a ride. And then the other two actually still come in and uh, one of them has smaller children at home. So I think I understand why she wants to come in. And the other one, I think he just comes in because it, it's company and just uh, that's what he likes to do. So those two, it'll be interesting to see how they feel about working at home full time. But that's, uh, I've adjusted well. Kevin, it's a, a cool story to get you on to talk about. Thanks for being willing, going from being open about how hard it was. And then uh, kind of talking about keeping the company lean, actually shrinking to shrinking the top line to grow the bottom line and being being okay with that and, and embracing it. It's pretty cool. I think, uh, I think there's a lot more, a lot more businesses out there that have really healthy top lines, but the bottom line is something obviously we never talk about, or at least you know publicly. And uh, I think there's probably a lot of people out there who listen to this that this could benefit them. So, so thank you. And before we we wrap everything up completely, you for rounding things out with a uh, a lightning round here, kind of just short, either one one word or one answer, one sentence answers to about half a dozen questions. Wow, yeah, that's gonna be hard for me to stay short, but yes, for sure. <laughs> All right, awesome. First one is, what's something you've changed your mind about recently? Um, having a personal trainer. Uh, I used to think it was expensive, and now I think it's uh, pretty good, pretty good value. Favorite movie from the 80s? Again, you, you run 80stees.com. So what's your favorite movie from the 80s? Technically, my favorite movie is the best movie ever, right? So it's uh, Karate Kid. <laughs> Karate Kid. And you're also a basketball fan. We were talking talking NBA before we got on. Best of all time, Michael Jordan or LeBron or other? Wow. Um, Got to go Jordan. 
Do you think Amazon should be broken up? I don't actually think they should be broken up. As an investor, I would love to see it though. Mm, interesting. You just think there'd be more more value unlocked if they broke out like AWS and the the retail. Eight, yeah. You could you could close the rest of everything they do, and AWS would probably be worth more by itself. I think. Wow, crazy. What are you currently spending too much money on? Ice cream cones. Ice cream. For you or for your family? Both. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What's something you're not spending enough money on? Babysitters. Ooh, good answer. What's your favorite physical object that you own? My Yeti tumbler. I use it every single day. What's a, what's a Yeti? Is that like a drink for... It's like a big that, coffee was, mug, right? Um, but you can also put cold stuff in it. It's just such a, a, such a nicely put together product. I, really, really nice. And then finally, what's one of the top three things on your bucket list? Something you, you definitely want to do before you die? I want to dunk a basketball during the course of a real game. You haven't, I, I'm surprised that you haven't, uh, haven't ever done that. I mean, you get, no, I mean, I can like I've, I've done it pickup. So I actually, I've never done it in an official game. I've never had particularly good hops, but I, that's the part of the personal trainer thing. Like I'm, I'm working on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I really respect your dedication to the game of basketball. Your willingness to come out in New Orleans and play with us was just, uh, I mean, meant a lot to me. <laughs> Oh my goodness! What was it that you didn't said? The cake was it the cake tasting tour that you didn't said no, <laughs> instead I, of I, playing I, basketball? It was like a, what was it, the shrimp and oyster shuck or something like that? And then oh, the shrimp and oyster shuck that ended up actually being a uh, I think oh, that was for event planning. I can't remember if I've told the story on the the podcast before, but it was it was it was it was advertised. And it was supposed to be uh, a crab boil, crab right? Boil, yeah. or something like that. <laughs> ended up being an oyster shuck next to a sex shop which we didn't realize <laughs> is this is this the one you went on it is yes and and the worst yeah. part was is i the oyster thing wouldn't have been wouldn't have been the worst but i got like majorly car sick from the oh, that's right and so like i felt like i was gonna throw up before i even showed up like and, and you guys were like five minutes away from from the hotel playing basketball and yeah it was the worst decision i think i've ever made in my life <laughs> so you would because it was like a 25 minute bus ride wasn't it yeah, I never did well on school buses. I and I, I, I probably should have been like, as soon as I saw a school bus, I should, probably should have been like, where are they playing basketball? <laughs> Just gone. Dude, uh, dude, nothing nothing helps car sickness like a good dozen or two dozen oysters raw down the hatch. Just just the perfect the perfect medicine for car sickness. I have to say the last when we finally arrived, I felt so terrible, and then the bus driver decided to turn the bus around. So that he was facing the right way for when he left. But instead of letting us out and then doing his 15 point turn, <laughs> he, he held us all in there. <laughs> By the end, I was like, I just like ran up to the front and I like apologized to everyone. I'm like, I'm sorry, I have to get off this bus. Oh, that's so funny. I got I think I got multiple pictures from people from the uh, explicit shop right next door. Lesson of moral of the story here. If you run events. Don't don't say never trust the reviews uh, that you read about things. Vet everything in person. We we vet most things in person. This is one that fell through the cracks. Hopefully, will not happen again. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, it's probably yeah, probably a good place to wrap things up right there. Kevin, man, uh, thanks. This has been a ton of fun. Thanks for telling the story and thanks for being part of the community, man. You've been around for so long, such an awesome integral part of uh, of ECF and. Yeah, man. Really appreciate you and what you've brought to the... Thanks for coming having me on too. Oh, of course. It's been... I can't believe it took this long to, to do a, a full episode with you. It's been been fun. And yeah, thanks for, thanks for being on, buddy. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.
That's going to do it for this week, but a few important things to know about, especially if you're a store owner before you go. First, if you're looking to hire for your e-commerce business, make sure to check out the e-commerce fuel job boards. We'll get your job in front of thousands of qualified job seekers to find you the perfect candidate. And if you're looking for work, you should check out the dozens of hand-picked opportunities along with lots of other roles that pop up every week at ecommercefuel.com forward slash jobs. And if you're an established store owner, you absolutely should be a member of our private community for seven-figure plus store owners. You get access to a discussion forum with over a thousand vetted, experienced e-commerce entrepreneurs, invitations to our in-person member-only events, and access to our private review directory with over 5,000 software and service provider reviews. That sounds interesting. You can learn more and apply for membership at ecommercefuel.com forward slash form. That's F-O-R-U-M. And a big, big thank you to the two sponsors who make this show possible. First, to Clavio, who makes email marketing automation incredibly easy and powerful. If you're not using them for your store, you're leaving money on the table. You can get started for free at ecommercefuel.com forward slash Clavio. And then secondly, to Liquid Web, the absolute best place to host your WooCommerce store anywhere online. If you want a rock solid store that can scale with you when you need it to, check them out at ecommercefuel.com forward slash Liquid Web. Thanks so much for listening and looking forward to seeing you again next Friday. This is the ASY Radio Network Live from New York.